very different from that of Mr. Ford in that while Mr. Ford thinks both creatively and commercially, Mr. Edison thinks almost wholly creatively and does not give the same order of thought to commerce that he gives to creation. Neither man is an inventor in the ordinary sense, for they do not stumble upon things by accident. They start with what they want to achieve and then think out the methods of achievement. Mr. Edison's whole life has been devoted to training his mind to concentrated thinking, He will work for hours and days without food or sleep, and he can do this because he has so trained his mind that it shuts out everything except the specific problem before him. Business is founded on thought. Optimism and enthusiasm are valuable in keeping up the morale of an organization. They are lubricants which help to overcome friction, but they cannot be the driving power, and they cannot substitute for well-thought-out business principles any more than a machine will run just because it is well-oiled. Power has to be transmitted before a wheel will turn. We give various names to the thought which has the power to turn the wheels. Sometimes we call it management. But there is another kind of management which is not based on thought, and which is not management at all. For instance, there is the kind of management which operates solely on records. Records will guide thought, but they will not substitute for thought. Good management, that is management with real thought behind it, does not bother trying to make its way by trickery for it knows that fundamental honesty is the keystone of the arch of business. It knows that you will fail if you think more of matching competitors than of giving service, that you will fail if you put money or profits ahead of work, and that there is no reason why you should succeed if what you do does not benefit others. This is not idealistic philosophy. It is the hardest kind of hard common sense. If you ask yourself why you are in business, and can find no answer other than, I want to make money, you will save money by getting out of business and going to work for someone, for you are in business without sufficient reason. A business which exists without a reason is due for an early death. The single reason for the existence of any business must be that it supplies a human need or want. And if my experience is worth anything, a business which has this reason for its existence will be bound in the end to prosper if thought be put into it. Thought, not money, is the real business capital. And if you know absolutely that what you are doing is right, then you are bound to accomplish it in due season. I say this not because I read it somewhere in a book, but because I have lived it. For if there is any phase of adversity which our business has not met and beaten, I should like to know it. We chartered the present Firestone Tire and Rubber Company in 1900, making solid tires for carriage wheels. I had a capital of $45,000, which I had earned in a previous carriage tire company. We had scarcely begun business before we were faced with a great patent suit, second perhaps only to the famous Selden patent suit. We had only a little factory with ten men, and I was general manager and sales manager and every other kind of manager. Our capital ran quickly out, and as our business grew, it had to be financed by bank loans and sales of stock. I not only had to sell the tires we made, but also the shares of stock to get the money to make more tires. For years I rarely met a man who seemed to have any money without trying to sell him stock. I sold it to officers of banks with which we did business. I sold it to the people from whom we bought our supplies. I sold it to our own employees, and I bought it myself whenever I could find a bank which would take it as collateral. We financed from hand to mouth, but steadily we grew, and we grew in the face of great tire companies who could have bought us out of their current bank balances. I sold the stock in the absolute confidence that I was doing a favor to whoever bought it, and in that I was right. 
For instance, I induced an officer of a steel corporation with which we did business to take, in the first few years, stock to the value of $7,500. For some years he got nothing in return for his money. Today his holdings have a market value of $900,000. We grew from the little building we first bought to larger buildings, and for many years we could not increase our manufacturing capacity and pace with the orders that came in. We fought and won other great patent suits, the loss of any one of which would have wiped us out of existence. Our original ten employees grew to 17,000. We passed from the solid carriage tire to the various forms of automobile tires. Our sales went up to around $100 million a year, and our capacity from around 40 tires a day to around 40,000. We built up on the side a rim-making business, which supplies half the manufacturers of passenger cars and trucks in the country. From only a few scattered salesmen, we grew to 62 factory branch houses, 75 warehouses.